Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we are back, and we're going right to the phones. And joining us, as he does every week at this time, is Nate Zielinski. And, Nate, we just had Vaughn Peterson on, and I tried to get him to say something negative about you, but he wouldn't. <laughs> so I don't know. You've actually you've convinced him that you know what you're doing. There you go. Yeah, I'll tell you what. It, uh, it, it's really neat to see a, a person as heavily involved in the retail side of the sport as Vaughn is to be so engaged in the field. You know, uh, I honestly, I don't know if somebody who fishes – uh, as much as Vaughn, I mean, every second that he's uh, he's not at that store, I'll tell you what, he is on the water. So it's neat to see it. Uh, again, if you go to, to Bass Pro Denver, you see uh, the experience here. They're always stocked in shelves. They have the hottest baits in four. And I think a part of that is because Vaughn's out using the stuff. He stays on top of uh, all of those type situations. So uh, it's definitely refreshing to see Vaughn uh, is active out in the outdoor industry and fishing and hunting as he is. So it's yeah, nice, no. nice to work with him. Now we got this beautiful, I, and I want to call it a spring day because we haven't had spring yet. And even though it <laughs> feels more like summer today, it should be summer, I think, even though not officially. But you and I would consider it probably the summer peak normally. But things are, aren't running on a normal calendar this year. De- definitely. Everything's down. Uh, water temperature's down. The general bites are uh or off of schools. Now, fishing's great, so it's not a big deal, but if you do follow the water temperature, if you do follow the calendar, if you drop things down to what you did last year, you know, our water temperature is down, depending on where you're at, anywhere between 5 and 10 degrees in some situations. Um, so water temperature is drastically down. I'd say the bite on the average lake is anywhere between 7 and, you know, 11 to 12 days off um, as far as it's, it's early than it should be. Um, so, yeah, or excuse me, it's later than it should be. So, yeah, everything's uh, definitely off just a little bit because of all this crazy weather. Uh, but regardless, the bite's happening. Fishing's good. Um, you know, I, I think the the biggest thing at this spring is really throwing off more than anything. Uh, if you're a river fisherman, it's going to make a very prolonged runoff. Um, now, luckily, it's been cold enough where we haven't had any gangbuster water. It's been melting slow enough to where it hasn't been a, a total disaster blowout. Uh, but regardless, we, uh, we have a lot of snow that is just beginning to melt. Um, so the river situation is definitely probably the, the biggest impact of the state. But all the reservoirs are just filling up slow and nice. Water clarity is still good. Um, and fishing is great. And we've kind of been talking a little bit of everything. We had a phenomenal lake trout year. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we talked about walleye. Um, and again, with everything biting, really, you can name the species. We can talk about the active bites in the state. We're going to talk about some trout fishing today just because, again, right now, we're starting to see a lot of insects. We're starting to see the, the general, again, start of the summer pattern. Even though we're, we're running behind, uh, we're definitely starting to see those kind of summer patterns of the trout. Uh, and it's nice because these trout are now moving back shallow. We had a really big span of a post-spawn trout at most of your lakes, you know, your, your North Park lakes, your South Park lakes, where these fish are coming alpha spawn, which is shallow. They go deep into post spawn, and they're now finally coming back up shallow. So a lot of the shore anglers are now really upping their odds to, to catch a lot more fish as these fish kind of pile back up into shallower water and just present more opportunity for a lot of people in that shallower water. Well, and with the water cooler than it has been, those fish, those trout especially, are going to be very comfortable in the mountains and even the front range, a lot of the larger lakes. We're going to see those trout. They're not going to. They're going to stay comfortable, and it's going to make for great shore fishing for a lot of people. 
Absolutely. I mean, 100%. Again, those, those bugs are going to pull those fish out. That water's going to stay cold. Uh, so it, it's definitely, I mean, it's nice because a lot of these bites are getting prolonged longer than we normally anticipate. So we're excited about that. And you look at, again, we'll say the South Park Lakes. I've been spending a ton of time at, you know, Ontario at Spinney. Um, and now that these trout are, are really kind of scattered, we're seeing fish as shallow as three, four feet of water. I'm doing a lot of fishing in 12 to 14 feet of water. Um, I had my deepest bite last week in about 25 feet of water, but there's fish all over the place. But as they uh, kind of go into this coming from spring to summer, if you want to call it that, um, it's nice because these fish are really open to a lot of opportunities. So if I were going to go out now, you know, you can start off early in the morning. We're doing a lot of fishing tube jigs where we're swimming these tube jigs like we talked about uh, a while ago. We're also doing a lot of fishing with spoons, whether using cast masters or tasmanian devils or you know real active bait like that and then midday you know when the sun gets high in the sky the water flattens out um that's usually when these hatches are going to take off somewhere between that 8 and 9 a.m the hatches are starting to bloom uh and that's the point in time grab the fly rod or grab a fly in a bubble you know match that that natural hatch so again if you time it right between early and late in the day everybody's going to have opportunities to fish. As long as you can change with those opportunities, you'll stay on top of your fish. Now, I talked to a lot of conventional tackle anglers at Spinney this week that were struggling a little bit with that transition. They got there early in the morning, or they were fishing at 5.30 a.m., 5.40 a.m., and they were just on top of trout, catching big trout. And all of a sudden, that sun came up, which is kind of rare for this year. Uh, but that sun came out, it got hot, it got flat, the hatch took off. And the fish are starting to ignore some of their traditional, again, the spoons, the jerk bait, things like that. Um, and their day went downhill, and they couldn't, you know, make up for it. And the fly bite just took off. And the guys fishing flies and the fly anglers really excelled. Um, so, again, it's all about adapting as those bites change to the day. Now, the one big thing we have, just being Colorado, especially in the high country, most afternoons, sometime between that noon, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, we generally get our kind of thermals changing and we usually have a breeze and or a wind that picks up on most of our bodies of water. So if you're the angler that doesn't have the ability to fish the flies, you don't want to fish the flies for whatever reason, now's the opportunity to where maybe you sleep in, you know, hang out with the family, do your chores, go to work, whatever the case may be, tie up your morning with something else. And if you're dedicated to the spoons, the jerk baits, the tube jigs, Fish the afternoons. That wind is going to be your friend. You're going to get that heavier wind, and it's going to shut down that hatch. So the second you get a lot of wave action, you get a lot of that, that surface clarity, um, that hatch is going to, going to go downhill once that water, is getting, again, is not laying flat anymore. So we've been seeing the hatch stopping, again, on the average day, sometime between noon and 2 when that wind comes up. And I'll tell you what, it just fires back up those spoons, the jerk baits, the tube jigs. So keep that in mind. So if you're one of those anglers that has been fishing at mid-morning and you're kind of, you know, again, struggling just a little bit with those hot, sunny conditions, uh, and, you know, dealing with all the hatches that are taking place, fish those afternoons. The hatches stop, and I'll tell you what, those fish get fired up. And, you know, everybody talks about walleye chop and having chop on the water. I don't think there's a fish in the world that likes it more than a trout. They should really call it rainbow trout chop because you get that breeze, and those fish lose their mind. It pulls up 
all the remaining hatches and the bugs that have hatched right to the surface because it kind of keeps, uh, creates an upwelling, creates suction as those waves curl. It darkens the surface so the fish can't quite see as well. It pumps oxygen as the waves crank, um, and it really makes for an ideal situation to catch a lot of fish and a lot of big fish. So, again, kind of play with your, your days. Think about your technique. Think about the patterns that you're comfortable fishing and plan your day accordingly. I promise you it will catch you a lot more fish at the end of the day by putting a little plan in place, watching the weather, and planning accordingly. You know, Nate, um, one of the things, too, you know, you talked about the transition from lures to flies and back to lures during the day. And I think because they see people catching fish on flies and things, the ones using lures, especially when lakes that have big fish, I think they tend sometimes to undersize their baits, don't they? Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. You, you definitely can do so. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's exactly the situation. If you, you, we always say you either want to, you know, really blend in well, mesh that hatch, or you dramatically want to stand out in a lot of regards, um, to, to make those fish want that bait, switch over to reaction style baits. Um, and yeah, take advantage of those opportunities. Right. And, and bigger tubes and bigger jerk baits than you would think will catch a lot of trout. Definitely. I mean, if I was going to say I was going to go up to, to, you know, again, the North Park Lakes, your, your South Park Lakes, if I was going to throw a, a jerk bait, I almost always am running that five and a half inch style bait. That's what my walleye bait, I'm always in that four and a half inch range. For the trout, I go bigger because, again, it stands out. Again, you have a lot of those big browns that are very heavy predators. You have northern pike and like a spinny. So all of a sudden, you're upping your odds to catch multiple species of fish, but also catch those bigger rainbows. So the jerk bait, I'm all about that five to five and a half inch bait. And I almost exclusively am fishing a three and a half to four inch tube. You know, back in the day, I used to fish a lot of two and a half, threes. Um, and it's crazy how much I, I catch more and bigger fish by stepping it up just a little bit. So I'm all about the three and a half or even four inch tube uh, in all those lakes. And whether I'm bouncing them on the bottom or swimming them mid-column like a normal lure, uh, definitely a little bit bigger on those south baits. It catches me a lot more fish for sure. Now, the fishing is phenomenal, and it's hard to think about anything else right now because these next few weeks are going to be some of the, at least numbers-wise, the best fishing of the year. Um, you know, we have different things going on year-round, but it's not too early to start thinking about hunting, is it? It's not, Terry. You know, this last week was uh, was either a, a couple of days, Monday through Wednesday, where days that make you very happy or very sad. Um, at this point right now, all of our big game tags are out. You know, sheep and goat came out two weeks ago. Uh, they followed up this week with pronghorn bear, moose, elk, deer, um, all of those things. So I know a lot of us, you know, know the, the point system. They know the game very well. A lot of us kind of know ahead of time, at least on the, the deer and elk, uh, of if you're going to draw, if you're not going to draw. Uh, but the moose, obviously, is up for anybody's game. It's very much a lottery system, same as sheep and goat. Uh, but regardless, this week everything came out. And I can tell you, you know, in years past, we've had some changes. So, you know, two years ago, they went to a $3 preference point buy-in. So you're no longer putting up the money at the beginning of the time to put in. Uh, so it became very affordable for everybody to put in. And we had a massive influx of hunters putting in. Now, this year, on the, the larger species, so again, your, your sheep, goat, and moose, you had to pay $50 for a preference point. So Long story short, they changed things up, and it definitely changed up the draw rates just a little bit. So, like, on this year, personally, um, I had two tags that, according to stats, I had a very good chance of drawing, and I did not draw either of those. So, again, for me, it was a, it was a very sad week for tags that I thought I was a shoe-in for. Um, I did not get. 
So, again, there's a lot of things that are kind of up in the air. And we always talk about this now because tags are out. It's on your mind. You're you're excited. You know where you're hunting. You know your tags. Or you're kind of lost. Like, man, I didn't get these tags. I still want to hunt. What do I do? And we still have a lot of options. I mean, as Colorado residents, we are so lucky to have the over over the counter, um, you know, tags that we have available to us here. You know, we have a an archery tag and a second and third rifle tag, where there's you know fifty something percent of the units in the state here you can hunt with those archery and second and third rifle tags. Um, so no matter what you did or didn't draw, there's always opportunity of bulls and cows available. Um, you know, whether it's an over the counter, whether it's a, a a list B tag, whether it's a reissue tag. Um, a leftover tag. There's a million different styles of tags that are still available that are either going to be coming available or are available here, you know, real soon. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities, but now is the time to start thinking about that because now all of a sudden you might be forced to be hunting an area that you've never hunted before. And we always say we're going to scout every hunter out there. Man, this is the year. I'm going to spend a lot of time. I'm going to learn the areas. But it never seems to happen. So we always start talking about it now. You know, pronghorn is going to start up August 15th. Your archer season's end of August, rifle season's in October. Even though that sounds far away, it's a couple months out. By the time you really you know, get into shape, get your gear ready, start scouting, it sneaks up on every one of us every single year. So I'm not telling you to go full-blown hunting on us right now, but now that tags are out, now you want to start thinking about those small things. Hey, here's what's available. Here's what's not going to be available. Let's put a plan together. Let's get with my hunting buddies. You know, maybe it was just start the, the small process of scouting, learning just a little bit, because, again, that's what's going to create a successful hunt for most of us this coming fall. Education, knowledge of the resource is going to be successful. Again, we don't preach it too much up until this last week because we didn't really know what tags were out there. Now that we know what we have or what's going to be available, the hard numbers are out now, and now is your time to start focusing, preparing, for that successful upcoming big game hunt here in Colorado this coming fall. Well, and one of the things, too, that you can do right now, and we're out of time, Nate, but we just talked about how incredible the fishing is. Almost every place you're going to hunt has water of some kind, whether it's a river or a lake. Grab your fishing rod, go fishing, and while you're there, learn the area. Absolutely. Go fishing in that prime time in midday. Go drive around. See where all the roads go. See where the parking access is. See the public and private. Start there. Exactly. Make the most of your time. You still get to get out there, do your fishing, but you're also going to gain some knowledge on the hunting. And again, knowledge is everything. Knowledge is what makes you successful in that field this coming fall. And tightlineoutdoors.com and Tightline Outdoors on Facebook, and they can continue getting this information, book a trip, whether it's fishing or hunting. That's where they get you. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Nate Zielinski, always a great resource. We're going to take a quick time out, and we come back. Austin Parr is going to join us, and we're going to go through the bites up and down the area, what baits are working, how to approach them, and get you out there fishing in these next couple weeks. Right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And now we're going to go right to the phones where we're joined by Austin Parr. And Austin, I promised them that you'd tell them where they could go catch a fish in the next few days. Absolutely. I certainly would like to do that. Well, first of all, you uh, 
Austin's a discount tackle on Santa Fe, so he gets the customers coming in, buying what they've been using, talking about where they've been using it. But then you get out and guide on these lakes and fish them yourselves and put all that knowledge to use and refine it. So you're a great source of information. Let's start out. I want to talk about some presentations and baits as we get into this, but let's just start out. Where are the fish biting? Where should you go? You know, as we're moving into June here, uh, as with most years, we're seeing great fishing all across the warm water opportunities. So anywhere from Chatfield and Cherry Creek, both are, are fishing really, really well lately. Um, you know, a lot better fish out of Cherry Creek than we're seeing at Chatfield, but good numbers in both places. Southeast Colorado has been fishing really well, particularly John Martin. And then as you move out northeast through places like uh, Sterling and Jackson has been a little bit slower, but starting to pick up pretty well. And then Pruitt also is fishing really, really well as you move out to the northeast part of Colorado. Now, are are you seeing a variety of warm water species? Is it uh, is it is it walleyes? Is it bass? Is it white bass? Is it wipers? Is it crappies, catfish? What are you seeing? Kind of a mixture of all of those, to be honest with you. So as we're on the front range here on Chatville and Cherry Creek and then moving up north to places like Boyd, uh, the walleye bite has been really, really productive. But, uh, you know, the smallmouth are starting to starting to really uh, pick up pretty well. I had a good customer that came in here the other day that said he was starting to get quite a few fish on top waters at Chatfield. But there's still quite a few smallmouth on beds out there. Um, you know, with, with how the, the water's been fluctuating a touch out there with some of the runoff coming down, but then additionally with the cold spells that we've been having, uh, it's kind of messed up a little bit of the spawn for those smallmouth to a, a small degree. But then as you go out uh, to the southeast part of Colorado, the white bass and wiper uh, the numbers have been really good, but the crappie down there are also fantastic. Haven't seen a whole lot of crappies out of places like Cherry Creek lately, but definitely the southeast part of Colorado has been really productive for that. And then northeast, definitely walleyes and sawgeyes being the number one. And I've heard a few reports of some crappies starting to come, but uh, that has not really uh, taken off yet as far as uh, what I've been hearing. A couple of things you mentioned. At this point, you would have almost thought the crappies would be done spawning, but it sounds like they yep. might be just still involved. And when you start getting those smallmouth bass on topwater baits, that's usually an indication that they're off the beds. But done you're done on the beds. Yeah. So it's, it's it's funny. I mean, we're we I've seen we were out there yesterday and had fish on beds, but yet guys are catching them on topwaters. So it's it's funny with how we we've been this year and and all across the board, everything's been pushed back a little bit. You know, it'll turn on for a little bit and then it kind of turned off, especially with that little snowstorm that we had um, in the late part of May there. But uh, and then the crappies, I haven't seen them come up at all on the spawn yet, at least at Cherry Creek when I've been guiding. So typically this time of year, you'll catch a lot of them up really shallow, right, with the walleyes. But we have not seen any of those fish, and I'm still marking them in deep schools right now on the, the bottom edge of your structure. So I don't think that they've quite spawned yet. But yesterday was the first time I've seen 65 degrees in a little bit, so at least on water temperature. So that's uh, definitely an indicator of uh, you know, a little bit later spawn with those guys. Before we go on to some of the different presentations on these lakes, what have you seen, um, heard up in the mountains? I would think that all the trout lakes in the mountains should be on fire, too. They really are. So Antero is particularly, in particular, been really, really productive. And I've uh, had a good friend up there who's been catching a lot of brown trout, actually, which has been something that we haven't seen a whole lot of in the past as far as numbers. He's been catching more browns than he has been cut bows. But he's been doing a lot of trolling up there with things like Tasmanian devils um, and then jointed rapala baits, little floaters. But then as you move over towards Spinney, the fly fishing has been really productive out there. And a lot of folks are catching fish in a little bit deeper water on coronamids and scud patterns. 
but utilizing a slip strike indicator rather than a standard pegged strike indicator due to the fact that a lot of the fish are being caught in deeper than 15 feet of water. 11 miles has been a little bit slower from what I've been hearing, but then as you move up into, nor- into the northern uh, uh, central mountain, Steamboat and Stagecoach have both been very productive lately, uh, more so for the trout than the pike at Stagecoach. And then Steamboat, uh, a lot of tube jigs have been really uh, working well. And then fly fishermen using balanced leeches under strike indicators, especially when the wind's pushing up against the shoreline, uh, has probably been the best from what I've been hearing. No, it sounds good. I think right now it's just a question of what do you want to fish for and how, where do you want to drive to? Because yeah. and, and there's just going to be opportunities. I, I can never stress enough that there's so many opportunities. Let's take a couple lakes at a time. If you were headed out to Chatfield right now, how would you approach it? What would be some of your presentations? So Chatfield right now, more so than a lot of the other front range lakes at the moment, is very, very clear on the water. So unlike places like Cherry Creek, the majority of your walleyes right now are in a little bit deeper structure. So I'm looking in places anywhere from 17 to 22 feet that have access to deep water. So the first key is that you have to be on that structure point, whether you're on the shoreline or out in the boat. Um, the, the live bait presentations, as usual, are really starting to pick up out there. So places like the east side of the roadbed and then various north-south roads as you're down in the no-wake zone have all been productive. But pulling a lindy rig and a leech has been really good. But due to that clear water, like I mentioned, I'm running really long leaders out there. So instead of your standard four-foot type lindy rig, we're going six or eight feet and not really running much on blades. So I've been doing more of just the plain colored gamakatsu octopus hooks with a leech on it and tra- traveling about a half a mile an hour. Now, Are you doing anything been... to buoy that? Are you putting any kind of flotation on it or are you just letting nope. it kind of drag behind? Yep, just letting it drag behind and about 0.5 miles an hour. You know, the hook is still remaining nice and clean. We're not dealing with much as far as moss growth on the bottom at the moment. So that's been the most effective. We tried some floating jig heads and some little pill floats, uh, just some fish that were a little bit higher the other day, but that was not uh, not very productive. So just a plain hook, as plain as you can get on your gamakatsu hook, on your octopus, on that lindy rig, is has been the best for me, at least lately. All right. And then... Um, are you doing any jigging while you're out there? I am. So when I'm finding those fish on places like that road or more of your extended structure points down in the south end, pulling over the top of them and covering ground is definitely more effective to try and get to the, the, the most amount of fish that you can get to. But there's some areas that are north of the, the, the marina on the, the east side near Plum Creek that the fish are really piled up on. And that's where we've been shifting over to the jigging wraps. And especially in that really clear water, the jigging wraps work better than the blade baits do, but perch-oriented colored baits, uh, the glow yellow perch and the glow hot perch both on a size 7 jigging wrap on a cast has been very effective. And then a little bit of live bait jigging as well, uh, you know, whist- uh, Northland Whistler jigs uh, tipped with a leech has been also really effective. We're going to take a time out. If, can I put you on hold for a minute? Absolutely. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about you know, the jigging wrap, maybe the cadence and how you fish it. And maybe some of these other presentations that people hear us talk about, I want to talk a little bit more about how you implement them. So I'll put you on hold, and we'll be back in just a minute, Austin. Sounds excellent, Terry. All right. We'll put him on hold. We'll be back with more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right back to the phones. We're talking uh, what's going on in the area of fishing right now with Austin Parr. And 
Austin, let's take Chatfield as an example. We just talked about, uh, you said Chatfield is producing a lot of fish right here in the metro area right now. And you talked about a couple different approaches. One was a Lindy rig. The other one was a jigging wrap or a jig with live bait. First of all, how do you decide which of those you're going to use in a particular situation? So it's all dependent upon where your fish are situated on a specific structure point. So if they're on something like the road bed out there or a long open flat and they're spread out pretty heavily, that's where a technique like a Lindy rig or a bottom bouncer is going to be more effective due to the fact that you can physically utilize your front electric motor to cover ground and move your presentation to those fish as they're spread out over that open water. Now, if they're more concentrated on a very specific structure point, say a drop-off or a ridgeline or, or a point, that is where I like to stop and cast to those fish. Now, I personally really like that jigging wrap, and especially if you can find fish that are excitable. And, and when, when you do the presentation right, you can catch fish immediately on it. Now, sometimes they're not as excitable, and they're not wanting to react to something, and they want to you know, go a little bit slower, and that's where that, that jig and a leech, a much slower presentation can work well, whether you're, you're putting that leech on something like a whistler jig with a spinner blade or if you're using a, a, like more of a stand-up head like a knuckleball jig or an oddball jig. Now, let's just go back to the jigging wrap. A lot of people have used them ice fishing, and the last decade they have just really come onto their own as really more of a fresh uh, open water bait than even ice fishing, and every manufacturer makes some type of bait like that. What, what do you, how do you fish it? Do you cast it out? Do you fish it below the boat? Do you use a fast cadence? Do you let the fish tell you? You know, the, the cadence on the jigging wrap, as you're just talking about right there, is the absolute most important thing about those lures, more so than, than color selection or anything. So I'll have sometimes when, a, when a, an angler in the boat is, is fishing one way and then the other guy's got it dialed in and, and one guy's catching them and the other guy's not. So what I would utilize, you first do is, is find fish that are positioned on a structure point that are fairly piled up together. And I'll get away from them and be able to cast that jigging wrap. I like the number size or the, the, the number seven jigging wrap. Um, and that's five, uh, five eighths of an ounce. So it's a pretty heavy bait that can be cast a long ways. But you'll let that bait sink all the way down to the bottom. And rod tip, I like to try and keep it between the 10 o'clock and the 11.30 position out in front of me. So I'll, I'll initially give it a good hard snap, and then I'll reel down about a single crank. And that's all you want. You don't want to be reeling all the way tight to this bait every time. You want to snap it up and then reel down about a single crank. Snap it up and reel down a little, uh, on about a single crank. And the key to it is, like I said, snapping it on that slack line. If you snap it on tight line, they will not bite it. But then as I'm working that bait all the way back in, as it gets close to the boat, I'll reel a little bit less, and I'll get it to an immediate vertical position where I'll sit there and vertical jig it. I do feel like these fish will follow it up, and sometimes when that bait changes directions, rather than doing that side-to-side action as you're retrieving it, and all of a sudden spins around and goes the opposite direction, those fish sometimes will eat it right under the boat. But then if I'm in deeper water, say in the fall, that's where I would be almost exclusively vertical jigging that bait rather than casting. Now, I want to take you one more place because I think right now if somebody wanted to catch a fish, there's probably no better place to go in the state right now than John Martin. Would you agree? Absolutely. There's just so many different fish species down there, and in the month of June, all of them are active. Now, there's sawgeyes, there's largemouth bass, there's catfish, there's just crappies, there's tremendous, but the white bass, if somebody's not a very experienced angler yet, they just want to go or they want to take their kids and catch fish, how would you go after those white bass? How would you find them, and what technique would you use? 
So white bass, more so than walleyes, are more of a pelagic fish species, meaning that they're kind of roaming rather than really specifically sitting on a structure point. So I like to get in an area where those fish may be roaming, but then may be directed to where I'm sitting. So say a point or like, you know, a transition change on the dam where you're going to go from concrete to that heavy rock or a corner where there's rock, somewhere in that kind of an area where those fish will be, be directed. Now, whether I'm on the boat or I'm on the shore and I just want to just catch white bass, Going down there with, say, you know, a, a can of leeches or, or a bucket of minnows can be good, but I'll set a slip bobber first. Get it generally toward the bottom and cast that slip bobber out and set it. Now, on my secondary rod, I'm going to cast something that's either trying to cover a lot of water or if I'm finding fish in an area, I'll slow down a little bit. So if I'm looking to cover water, I like something like a rattle trap or a rip and wrap in more of a chrome color where I'm physically going to be casting that lipless crankbait and be, it'd be moving it at a fairly fast pace. Now, if I find that they're really concentrated in a specific area, I will adjust and go to something more like a gulp minnow. I like a four-inch gulp minnow down there and say the smelt color, the white works good as well. But I'll put it on either an eighth or a three-sixteenth ounce jig head, cast out toward the bottom, let it sink to the bottom, and then pop it up and let it fall, pop it up and let it fall, and, and work that retrieve all the way back, back to you. And even if the white bass don't eat that, a lot of times the saw guys or the largemouth or the crappie will. I was just going to say, you sometimes might get distracted by other fish. That's a pretty uh, presentation that appeals to a wide variety of species. Practically every fish in the state will eat a gold minnow. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Hey, we're about out of time, so if people want more information, tell them how they find you. Absolutely. So I'm down at Discount Fishing Tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. Or my cell phone number is 303-514-5546. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again very soon. Great information. Thank you so much, Terry. You bet. Austin Parr from Discount Tackle. Great great young fisherman and knowledgeable, and he's out there putting this stuff in use. He fishes it, he sells it, he understands it, and he's just a great, great angler. By the way, don't forget to follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We post a lot of some of these Tackle Talk things we do. We post... um, news releases from Parks and Wildlife. Every time we put a new video up on our YouTube channel, we post that so you can really keep track of this show and what's going on. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We're going to take a timeout, and when we get back, we'll be joined by Ronnie Castiglione right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. And we are going to go right to the phones. And joining us from the Fishful Thinker Group is Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Mr. Terry Wickstrom. How are you doing this morning? You know, I'm doing good. And I saw in my notes that you want to talk about why now and then I guess the next month or two may be the best time to hire a guide if you want to learn and you know, the first thought that comes to mind is, why do I need a guide when the fishing is going to be the best it can be probably for warm water, big fish excluded, but numbers? But that's exactly your point, isn't it? You know, it really is, Terry. Uh, you know, it's that time of year where, yes, the fishing is very good, but what you also find is you find, like, on a lake like Horsetooth or a lake like Boyd, is that the fish tend to be spread throughout the water column. They tend to be in a lot of different areas for the next month, month and a half. 
um, which allows you to catch them on a lot of different presentations. So certainly somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience could go up to horse tooth and, and drag a tube jig around right now and have a great day. But this time of year for the next few months, you know, I like to take clients out on horse tooth, especially the ones that are, you know, interested in really learning and really actually, you know, expanding their horizons as an angler. And, you know, often I have anywhere from, 17 to 25 rods rigged up with all different presentations for my guide trips, Terry. And early in the year and late in the year, you know, with a trip that's a learning-based trip, we'll work through all those presentations. But a lot of times early in the year and late in the year, it only ends up being like three or four out of those 20 presentations are effective at catching fish. Here for the next couple of months, I can work a client through 20 presentations, and there's a pretty good chance we're going to catch fish on all 20 of them. And it's just really been my experience that for new anglers, for people looking to learn, uh, installing confidence in a new presentation is very, very important. Anybody can get you out there and just say, hey, this usually catches fish, but you may not have any confidence in tying it on next time. This time of year, if you learn new presentations, you're going to catch fish on them, and then you'll understand that these are other presentations presentations that are going to work throughout the rest of the year. So, you know, it, it's just the best time of year really to go out and learn, Terry, if you're looking to get a crash course on fishing. I couldn't agree more. By the way, does your wife know you have 25 rods? <laughs> uh, there's another 50 of them in the garage. Yeah, I know. Uh, those I, are just I, the ones that are on the boat. Bob. I know. I know. I'm just kidding. But no, you're absolutely right. Um, I've always preached the best time to learn a new presentation is when the fishing is the best, when the bite is the best. For absolutely the exact reasons you stated, when you, when you, if you, people try things when the bite is bad, it doesn't work and they never go back to them. And so the, and, yeah. and you're absolutely right. But by trying them when the bite is good, you do gain confidence. You know they work and now you're more willing to fish them properly in the situation where they may help you catch some fish. What are some of the presentations you would take them through this time of the year, Ronnie? Well, you know, jigs are very, very effective this time of year. So it's very common for us to be working tube jigs, working gulp minnows, working grubs, working small swim baits. Things like that are very, very effective. Gulp leeches, things along those lines, all are very effective this time of year. Um, we can also catch fish on crankbaits this time of year, Terry. So covering some water, looking at some of those transition banks, looking for the fish that are coming out of the spawning areas, moving towards their summer homes. A lot of times we track those down with crankbaits, covering a lot of water. Uh, you know, this time of year as well, we get a lot of fish that start to position on points and things like that. So we can do some of those vertical presentations that we utilize late in the year. They start to work this time of year. So so we work flutter spoons, jigging spoons, uh, blade baits, some of those jigging wraps, things like that. Very, very effective this time of year. Drop shots, Terry, are an excellent presentation. We really start getting into using those drop shots. And as we get going into summer here, the drop shot becomes one of the best ways to catch fish on a lot of days. Uh, we also see that the, you know, the, the surface action is really picking up this time of year. So you can get out and you can catch fish on poppers. You can catch fish on walking baits. You may be able to catch fish on blade baits spinner baits, things like that. You know, the whole tackle box, the whole compartment of tackle comes in play this time of year, Terry. So it really becomes more about on any given day, reading the conditions, 
understanding what the water levels are doing, which body of water you may be on, and then adapting to, you know, what time of day you're out there when you're fishing and then deciding which presentations are going to be the best. But, you know, on a typical guide trip, we may get out there real early in the morning, Terry, and start at 6 a.m. You know, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., we may be working surface lures and presentations like that or maybe really shallow running jerk baits. And then as those fish start to lock up and the sun gets high, then we'll switch over to some jigs and some deeper diving things and stuff like that. You know, it's just really that time of year, Terry, where the presentations, you can run through a lot of them. You can learn a lot of the finer nuances. The other thing that's that's really good this time of year, and the other reason it's, it's you know, one of the more effective time of year to get out on a learning guide trip is that, you know, for the most part, we're at the post-spawn phase up here in northern Colorado as far as the largemouth and smallmouth. They're done spawning. There's some males still guarding some frogs, things like that. But these fish are starting to settle into their summer pattern. That summer pattern that they get into might last two and a half, three months on a typical year, maybe even four months, where the fishing is somewhat predictable. You understand what the fish are wanting to do, where they're wanting to go. Uh, it's not about trying to time the spawn like it is early in the year, which really will move the fish around. And that spawn, you know, in this, you know, northern Colorado, it fluctuates year from year. You know, this year it was, you know, early June that the fish got on beds up here, whereas last year it was uh, early to mid-May they were on, on beds. You know, so it's more of a predictable pattern this time of year. And really, if you get out and you learn to fish here for the next three months, then the bulk of the year, those things are, you're going to catch a lot of fish and you'll be able to adapt, you know, throughout the year. Well, whereas if you get out real early late in the year and you're just kiss, catching fish vertically, uh, you get into summer, you get into late spring, and that vertical stuff may not be in play, Terry. So it's just that time of year where you can really do a lot of learning and get a crash course, Terry. Well, you know, another thing, too, I want to point out is a lot of guides feel the success of the trip is just getting you to catch a few fish. And they're not as willing or even anxious to always share too much information because they it's kind of their security blanket. So when you book a trip with a guide this time of the year, you need to tell them and ask them. Now, I really, I know I want to catch fish, but I really more than that want to learn. And that's a very, very important part of it, too. And having the guide understand that when you book the trip, isn't it, Ronnie? Yeah, absolutely. That's very important. Understand your goals for the trip. Uh, we always ask our clients, you know, what are they looking to do? Are they looking to just get out and get the rods bent, or do they want to learn? For the most part, it tends to be the people that go out with us at Fish Will Think are, are wanting to learn. So a lot of our trips are really learning-based. You know, the other thing that happens this time of year, and it's important to mention, you know, we guide on multiple lakes. And Boyd, for example, I know you talked earlier about the water's, water's rising right now at Boyd. So here within the next week or two, all the trees and bushes and everything are going to be in the water here at Boyd. And that's a pattern that's going to set up for the summertime. So if you were out on Boyd, say, a month ago, you know, the trees and bushes are, were all high and dry. So the presentation is the opportunity to get out and fish in the grass, to fish out and learn how to fish around docks and stuff like that. That all really opens up to us for the next couple of months here on Boyd, whereas early and late in the year, that may not be the case, Terry. So it just presents a lot more opportunities. And if people are looking to learn to fish for largemouth and want to fish in and around the grass, then we steer them towards Boyd and we'll go through a whole bunch of presentations. If they're looking for smallmouth, maybe they're looking for walleyes things like that, trout, then it's a horse tooth kind of a thing, and we steer them towards there. So talk to the guides. Let them know what your what your goals are for the trip, you know, what you're trying to accomplish, what style of fishing you're looking to learn, which body of water you want to get on, and uh, we'll get you out there at Fishful Thinker, Terry. 30 seconds. If you're going fishing tomorrow, where would you go? 
Uh, you know, Horseshoe's been a no-brainer, so I would probably go to Horseshoe, especially if you're going to be shore-bound, uh, looking around the coves and things like that. You're going to catch a lot of fish from the shore. You can throw surface poppers and things like that. You'll run through a whole bunch of them. Boyd's going to be in flux right now. There's a lot of people fishing in around the inlets, but, uh, you know, Boyd, when the water first comes in, it, it changes the lake dramatically here. Uh, so for the next week or so, Boyd's going to be a little iffy, you know, unless you're really focused on some of those fish that are running into the current. But once it's settles up and once those bushes and grass two weeks from now boyd's gonna be on fire terry so you know just kind of kind of a horse tooth would probably be my choice for today though all right fishfulthinker.com they can get a hold of you and we will talk to you in a yeah. couple we'll talk yeah terry fishfulthinker.com or uh, email me directly ronnie r-o-n-n-y at fishfulthinker.com chad has a tendency to be traveling and filming a lot this time of year so if people could email me directly ronnie in r-o-n-n-y at fishfulthinker i'll get back to him and get you out on the boat terry all right thank you my friend we will talk to you again right, soon. Buddy, have a good one. And I won't tell your wife you have 75 rods. <laughs> she knows. All right. <laughs> bye. Well, we're going to wrap things up here. But before we do, a familiar face wandered into the studio. Good morning, Mr. Oh, is this still morning? Barely, Mr. Jacobs. Yes, sir. And so are you going to talk some sports today when I leave? I am. But, you know, Terry, I've been thinking about you a little bit recently. Oh, no. Two weeks ago, I was in Clearwater. We go to this beach. As soon as we set our stuff down, there's a dolphin. Right. Jumping, I'm like, whoa! I mean, it's way close to the shore. And then um, the, this old couple was fishing, and they catch this three from the shore, from the beach. Right. They catch this uh, three or four foot shark. I'm like, what? That's oh, a little yeah. too close for comfort. You know, they reel this thing in, but I, I forgot what they said. What it was, but they said, oh, that shark wouldn't bother you. The sand shark, probably, or a, it was. You know, or a bonnet shark. Or yeah, I, mean, I think maybe it was a bonnet shark. Yeah. So yeah. They might bother you though, they, but they have distinctive tastes. They, yeah, they, yeah. Well, I'm a little too sweet. Yeah, I, for I, most of these people. Yeah. And then yesterday, my very first uh, trip river rafting. Oh, so not fishing, cool. but just rafting. Yeah, but I saw people fishing. I was thinking about you guys. What what, people, ra- what river did you raft? Uh, Colorado. Okay. How was the flow? It was pretty high. It was uh, good. Yeah, they were saying the the guides were saying right now they're having to adjust their routes because the bridges are full. Oh, okay. They yeah. can't get over the bridges. Starting to go on that side. It's yeah. going to start coming down this side really quickly. Hey, are you going to talk, you know, more Broncos or Rockies or both? What are you looking to do here? We're going to talk Broncos. We're going to talk a little bit about the Nuggets and the Warriors and, and maybe about Clay Thompson if there's some pre- hope and prayer um, that they could get Clay Thompson. But you'll want to be listening next segment because I am, as of two days ago, what we call a near. Bear attack survivor. That means it was a bear within like 10 miles of you. Actually about uh, maybe uh, 50 feet. And it kind of looked at you and went the other way. Uh, No, I'll I'll be telling that story next. Oh, I'll have to listen. But I do want to hear when I listen the biggest impression you came away with during these OTAs and minicamp. Absolutely. We will go into that and uh, kind of the – actually, James Merrill did a nice article about the the – the love affair quotes that we always hear this time of year and the quotes that uh, they actually should be giving that we don't hear. So yeah, we were you're about absolutely that. right. Having been out at that training camp myself for many, many, many years back with other stations, I know exactly what you're talking about. This is going to wrap it up for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors here, but Dan Jacobs is going to take you and talk sports on 104.3 The Fan. Anytime.